So if you would take your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. We've been talking about the topic of, of sanctification and, and spiritual growth. And today, as we looked at, look at this topic, I really entitled uh, the topic just Jesus. Just Jesus. You know, the reality is from the beginning of our salvation to the end when we see Christ face to face and all throughout our life, Jesus is the focus. And so today I want us to deal with or look at Christ and when it comes to the issue of sanctification because I feel like or I believe that we sometimes remove him from different aspects of it. When you go to Colossians, you're in chapter 3. If you look at chapter 1 in verses 10 through 11, verses 10 and 11, kind of give us the, a goal of, of the sanctification process. He says in verse 10 of chapter 1 that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with with joyfulness. Notice what he says there again. We're to walk worthy of the Lord, pleasing the Lord. We're to be fruitful in our lives. We're to be increasing in knowledge. We're to be strengthened and we're to be able to suffer in joyfulness. This is the work that God is doing in our life through this process of sanctification. Now you go over to chapter number three and verse 17 is where I want to focus here for our message this morning. Primarily, but it says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. The reality is for the Christian, everything about our life should be consumed with Jesus. Jesus should be the priority of every day, of every moment, of every aspect of our life. When we think about parenting, what Jesus should be in the middle of raising our children. We think about our relationships with our husband and with our spouse. Jesus should be in the middle of that relationship. We, we even talk about that at, at, at wedding ceremonies, the three, um, full, the three cords and being uh, tied together. And it's the husband, the wife, and, and God in the middle of that marriage. When we think about our, our job and, and our interaction in the community, Jesus should be at the middle of it. When we think about our spiritual growth, Christ definitely should be at the foundation, but then permeate every aspect of our life. But unfortunately, we get, we get distracted. You know, sometimes when you do things or when something's always around, we kind of take it for granted, right? When we, when we do ministries here at the church, we do different programs what, what eventually happens? You know, a lot of times we'll start a new ministry, a new program, and everybody gets excited about it. There's big attendance, and there's a lot of fruit from it. But then you do the same thing over and over and over, and what happens? We kind of get bored with it, right? We, we kind of eventually take it, take it for granted. It's like that's just, that's just what we do there. And so it's, it, it's not as important to us. And you know, you, we do outreach activities and you might show up one or two times, then it's not as important to us because it's something that we, we just, we always do. And unfortunately, in the lives of many Christians, that's kind of how we view God. That's kind of how we view our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
It's like, yeah, well, we, well, we know we're Christians because Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, we know we're, we should live our lives for, for Jesus. And yeah, yeah, we know it. We're kind of just a little flippant with, yeah, Jesus. When truly Jesus is our, is our life and should be our life as, as believers. Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray that you'd encourage us, Lord, in this area of sanctification and, and spiritual growth today, primarily focusing on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Number one, I want you to understand today or realize today that we must understand who Christ is. And this, this is, this is I, I think, a, a big part of it. We, we really don't understand who Jesus is. Well, well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And a lot of times you'll hear people say, listen, you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Listen, Jesus is your Lord and he is the Savior, whether we make him that and, or we allow him to be that in our own lives. And sometimes we, we, have, we use that language and, um, and, I, and I really don't care for it personally, but, but the reality is, is we, we, we fail to truly understand who Jesus is. Now, Jesus is the one that died on the cross for our sins, yes. But notice, look with me back at chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so, first of all, Paul is writing here telling us that Jesus is our redeemer. He is the one that bought us back from the bondage of of sin. If you look at verse 16 and 17, for by him were all things created. And so he is the, the creator in verse 17. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And the idea there is that Jesus not only created the world, but he sustains the world and allows it to continue uh, to exist. In, in chapter 1 verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. So we see here he is the head of the body. It has the idea of of, of founder, but also authority. Jesus is the authority over the church. And so a church like ours that we believe in congregational government, if we were had to put up an organizational chart, it would be Jesus, the congregation, the pastor, and so on and so forth. But Jesus is the head of the church, whether we uh, submit to that or, or not. In verse 19 and 20, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in in heaven so we see that he is the reconciler and he is the one that gives peace we have peace with God through Jesus Christ we can have peace in this life if we live for Jesus Christ listen these are just a few things that Paul brings to our attention uh, concerning the person and the work of Jesus Christ and you read throughout the Bible and we just see over and over how wonderful and how mag magnificent how amazing Jesus is and yet we we so often take it take him for granted we need to understand today who Jesus is and the role that he plays, not only in our salvation, but each and every day of our life. Number two, then we need to understand who we are in Christ. I love those words, in Christ. We need to understand who we are in Jesus 
Christ. Look at chapter 1 again in verse 21. And you, speaking of those of us that are believers, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. First of all, he tells us in verse 21, you were alienated and enemies. So you were apart from God. The Bible gives us that picture. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. That picture of dead, there is a picture of separation. You were alienated from God and from the things of God. And there's a lot of people that um, believe that they have a relationship with God, that they, they're walking with God, they're serving God because they're doing all of these works but the Bible tells us you are alienated from God and you're just living out here doing all of these things that you believe are moral and, and even religious and right, but they have no impact in your relationship with God because you're enemies with God. But Jesus reconciled us back to God and notice what he says, we are now holy and unblameable. We are holy and unblameable and I know what you're thinking, pastor, listen, I know you. That's not you, all right? And uh, listen, that's not you either, okay? So let's be honest. That's none of us from a human perspective, but from a, an eternal perspective and from a relationship with God, through Jesus Christ or in Jesus Christ, we are holy and unblameable. What does that mean? Our sins have been forgiven. The righteousness of Christ has been placed in our life and on our account so that we are, are holy and unblameable before God. So when I enter into heaven, you always hear people say, you know, um, ask the question, why should I let you enter enter into heaven or when you get to heaven if I don't know why it's always Peter but why Peter is going to meet you at the gate and ask you why should you be entered why should you be allowed in into heaven listen it's not because you're 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 good you're moral and you've done religious activities but it's, it's because you're in Christ and being in Christ you're no longer alienated from God or the enemy of God but you are holy and unblameable you're holy and un Blameable. Listen, I am a, an American citizen by birth, but I am a citizen of heaven by birth as well, by being what the Bible calls born again. I was born not a citizen of heaven and alienated from the things of God and from, from heaven. But in Jesus Christ, I am now a citizen of heaven. I am holy and unblameable. If you go down and look with me at chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, notice here, Christ in you, the hope of of glory. Christ in you. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're no longer alienated and enemies of God, but we're holy and unblameable. But now Christ is in you. And the idea here is he's a part of our life. He's a part of everything that we are. And there's no compartmentalizing our life and, and allowing him to be here and allowing him not to be there. He's, he is in us. And this is the hope of glory. Don't you understand? Don't you realize who we are in Jesus Christ and the fact that he is in us? And then you go to chapter 2 in verse 10. And he says there, you are complete in him. You are complete in him. 
Peter says that God has given us all things that pertain to life and, and godliness. And everything that we need is found in Jesus Christ. We are complete in, in him. What does that mean? It means I'm a child of God. It means that I'm, I'm made, quote unquote, perfect from, the pers- uh, from a heavenly perspective. I am, I am complete eternally. And we talked about the ultimate glorification. And when I see him, I will be like him and how amazing that will be. And then you go down to chapter 3 in verse 12, where we begin reading today. And he tells us there, put on therefore as the elect of God, the elect of God. Now, now don't miss this here. Who are we in Christ? We are the elect of God. When, when the Bible talks about being the elect, I know there's a lot of controversy in our world today, but who are the elect in the Bible? When you read those words and you look at Scripture, the Bible talks about those that are in Christ are elect. Those that are in Jesus Christ. So if you have turned from your sin and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're in Christ, and therefore you are the elect uh, of God. That's who we are. We are God's chosen people in Jesus Christ. And listen, if you're not in Jesus Christ, then you're not in the elect. And so how, how do you become, how do I know if I'm the elect? Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's that simple. It, it doesn't have to be that difficult of a, of a topic, of an issue. But this is what I want you to understand today. Realize who we are in Christ. We're the elect. We're God's chosen people. And so that's who we are in Christ. So first of all, understand who Jesus is. He's the redeemer. He's the savior. He's the creator. He's the one that reconciled us back to God. Understand then who we are in Jesus Christ. We are the elect. So in Christ, we are God's people. We are God's people. So then I want you to understand, okay, if who Christ is, we're in Christ. Now realize what he is doing, what he's doing in us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Notice these words. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Paul tells us that we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of God. So Jesus is the Savior, the Reconciler, the Redeemer. In, if we're in Christ, we're God's people. And what is God doing in us through Jesus Christ? He's conforming us to the image of his Son. And this is what Paul is talking about here, literally as he writes the book of Colossians to, to this church and to us. God is working in our lives, in the lives of his people, to conform them to the image of of Christ. Notice back verse number 12. Put on therefore the elect of God, holy and beloved. The idea there is we're, we're putting on, we're changing, holy, excuse me, verse 12. Put on therefore the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. And he goes on and on and on. Listen, this is what God is changing you into and what he's causing you, what he's causing you to do in your life as a, as a believer. Now we come to verse number 17. If we understand who we are in Christ, we understand 
or excuse me, who Christ is and in who we are in Christ, and we understand what God is doing to us in our life as a believer, we come to verse number 16 and verse 17, and we see that the word let. We see the word let. The word of Christ dwell in you. And so, number four, we need to then allow the knowledge of all of this, allow the, the knowledge of all of this to change us. Here, here's, where, here's where the struggle comes. Here's where the struggle comes. We're so consumed in our, in our day-to-day lives with what's going on in this world. So he tells us, listen, get your mind off of the things of this world and get your mind, set your affection on things above. Because you're so wrapped in this world and what it's doing is it's destroying you or keeping you from, from what I'm about to say, from allowing these things to take place, these changes, this work to take place in your life. So you have to set your mind on, on things above because we're so consumed with, with the trials and the difficulties, the problems, even the, the blessings and, and, the, and the good things of life. It's amazing how many people don't allow God to work in their life because of the difficulties, but we have the other end of the spectrum. Uh, life's going good, so I don't need God, and, I, and I, I'm okay where I'm at, and so we don't allow God to do the work in our life. And so based on who Jesus is and the fact that who we are in Christ and what God wants to do in our life, we need to allow this knowledge to change us. Now notice what he says there, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So we need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So in order to allow this to change, the Bible, again, has to be a priority in our life. And I've said that all three weeks that we've talked about this topic. All right? You're not going to grow spiritually without the word of God. All right? You, you can, listen, you can do good and be moral and be a good wife and be a good husband and be a good parent and be a good student and be a good worker. And listen, you're not going to grow spiritually without the word of God. And really, the reality is, is we're going to go the other direction without the word of God. And so he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. The idea there is this like it lives within you and it's always there. It's always there. It's, it's the place that it rests in you. Teaching has the idea of imparting truth. And so, you listen, the world is filled with lies. And many of us, we, we get deceived by these lies. And so he says, you need to let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching you, imparting what is, what is true. Hey, hey, listen, your understanding is, is not truth if it's contrary to the word of God. Let me say it again because it's hard for you to grasp. I understand that. It's hard for us to grasp in our flesh. Your understanding, my understanding is not truth if it's contrary to the word of God. And so we must let the word of God dwell in us to show us what is actually true. And we have to be willing then to change our life, not try to change the truth to fit our life, but change our life to fit the truth. And that's what God wants to happen day by day in our life. The more the word of God works in us, the more he, his truth is revealed to us, the more we're being changed and conformed to the image of Christ, imparting truth. And then also, this is one where we really struggle, admonishing, warning of, of wrongdoing, warning of wrongdoing. You know, we don't like to be told that we're wrong. 
But, but can I be honest with you? It's, it's just us here. All right. We're all family. There's a lot of things that we're all wrong about. There's things that we're wrong about. We have to come to the place in our life where we understand that and we want that to change. And so we get into the word of God and we learn his truth and then he warns about that which is wrong. That's what, that which we should not be involved in, that which we should not be doing. But also the, the attitudes that we have that need to be changed that are wrong and, and the way of thinking, the perspective, the worldly perspective that is wrong. We have to allow that to be changed in our life. And that's what God is doing as he's conforming us into the image of of Christ. He's teaching truth and helping us to remove that which is contrary to truth, warning us against that which is wrong. And so he says, let these things take place in your life. Let these things take place in your life. And then probably my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him doing everything in the name of Jesus. So we're, the, 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 we're letting the word of truth dwell in us in the name of Jesus because of Jesus and who he is and what he's done in our life. We're, we're, we're teaching, uh, we're allowing the Bible to impart truth to us in the name of Jesus because of Jesus. We're, we're doing good to others because of because of Jesus. Our words that we speak are because of, of Jesus. Not because of my pride, not because of my situation, not because of what I like or don't like, but because of Jesus and, and who he is. See, this, we're allowing this to happen because of Jesus, because it cannot happen apart from him. And so what he tells us is everything that we say and do should be done in harmony with what we know about Jesus. Everything that we say and do should be done in harmony with what we know about Jesus. And this is the process that we're going through of sanctification. The more the word of God dwells in us, the more truth we learn about Jesus, the more we're warned, we're warned about what's contrary, we remove from Jesus, about Jesus, then we're, we're, constantly, we're constantly serving him more and more. We're constantly becoming more like him. This is the whole process of sanctification. It's about becoming conformed into the image of his son. That's what God is doing. That's what God is doing in our life. But we struggle because we don't know who Jesus is. Well, we know he died on the cross for our sins, but listen, there's so much more to who Jesus is than just the fact that he died on the cross for our sins. Listen, that's that should be enough. But there is so much more to him and who he is and what he's done for us in our life. And then those of us that are believers that have accepted Christ as our Savior, we have to understand who we are in Christ. We have to come to the knowledge of understanding who we are in Christ. We are the elect of God. We belong to Him. And then we have to understand what God is doing. Listen, you're not here to be made rich. You're not here to be made famous. You're, you're not here to accomplish great things. You might become those things. But you're here in this world to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ and to do his work. That's why we're here. That's the whole purpose of, of, of sanctification and, and growing spiritually. Listen, this idea of sanctification and, and spiritual growth, it has to become a priority in our life. Because of who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus Christ and all that we have because, 
because of Jesus. If, he, if you only focus on Christ on Sunday morning, listen, you're probably not growing spiritually. If you don't think about who he is and what he's did for you on the cross and, and how he's redeemed you from your sin and, how, and think about his promises in your life, if you don't think about the fact that he is the creator and sustainer of this world, you're probably not growing spiritually. If the Bible is not a priority in your life, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ that shares with us who he is and, and what he does and how he operates and, and all that he's excuse me, accomplished, you're probably not growing spiritually. If you're more consumed about your friends and, and about what you're getting and not getting and what's happening to you in this world than you are about Jesus, you're probably not growing spiritually. See, as a Christian, we need to be and should be consumed with who Jesus is, who we are in Jesus, and what, what Jesus is doing in our life, and allowing that to, 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 to help us become who he wants us to be. That's him. That's being conformed to the image of, of Christ. You know, the Bible talks about, we've mentioned the last couple of weeks about not being conformed to this world. And, and, it, and it's amazing. You know, we'll, we'll look at somebody in, in, in our life that we know or we've met. We'll say, man, I want to be just like him. Or I want to be just like her. And a lot of times, listen, I, and I understand it's like, well, they're, they're rich. Oh, I want to be just like him. They look at the lifestyle that they have. Or, or I want to be just like them because they're, they're famous or popular. Or, uh, man, man I, I would love to be just like them. We, we use it, the, the term in, in our modern day as a hero. They're our hero. I want to be just like him. And listen, I understand when our perspective is worldly, that's, that's, we'll pick those people. That's, that's who we want to be like. From a, human, from a worldly perspective, man, that's what, why wouldn't we want to be rich? Why wouldn't we want to be famous? Why wouldn't we want to have comforts of this life that they have? Why wouldn't we want to have the, the fame and the popularity that they have when we're looking at it from a worldly perspective? So going back to, to the beginning of this chapter, we started looking at it a couple weeks ago. He said, set your mind on things above. So have a heavenly perspective, an earthly perspective. So from a, from a heavenly perspective, from a Christian, a saved perspective, we should look at Jesus and say, wow, I just want to be like him. I want to be like him. I want, to, I want to know him. I want to know about him. And I want to be like him. That's what Paul says. I count everything in my life but loss. I want to know him, the power of his resurrection. That's, I, I want to know him. Why? Because I want to be just like him. See, the struggle is, is we have an earthly perspective. The world doesn't like him. The world doesn't like people that talk about him. The world doesn't like people that live like him. So it goes counter to our flesh because we don't want the persecution. But what did Jesus say? Hey, listen, you live godly in this world, you're going to suffer persecution. It's not because they hate you. It's because they hate me. But the reality is, the more we're like him, the more they're going to hate us. And we should be fine with that. We should be okay. We should be thrilled with that. In the book of Acts, 
the Bible tells us they, they were first called Christians. They were first called Christians. Why? Because they were followers of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. And these men and, and women went to prison and gave their lives to be followed because they were followers of Jesus. Unashamedly, they wanted to be just like him. And my friend, if we're going to grow to be conformed to his image, he must be the foundation and the focus of every aspect of our life. Do you know who Jesus is? If you've accepted him, do you know who you are in Jesus? Do you understand what God is trying to do in your life as a Christian to make you more like Jesus? Then let the word of Christ dwell in you, helping you become more like Jesus. Do everything, everything about your life should be consumed with with Jesus and, and the name of Jesus. Let's stand together.